series on the Sermon of the Mount. We are in Matthew chapter 6. We were going through the whole sermon that Jesus gives here on this mountainside from Matthew chapter 5 to Matthew chapter 7. And so I want to jump right in the Word today. We're going to look at worry today. How many of you would say, I tend to be a little bit of a worrier pastor. I'm a little bit of a worry ward. Um, I, I tend, you know me long enough as your pastor for 16 years, um, I tend to worry a little bit. I remember when I came to the church to interview for the position, I'm sitting in front of the board and they're asking me a bunch of questions and so on and so forth. So they turn to Kathleen, my wife, and they say, now, if there's um, any, uh, are there anything that you see in your husband that are just, you know, character flaws or something? I'm like, going, oh, no, you know, because she goes, can you wait on it? Let me get out the book. Right. Um, and, uh, and, and she, Kathleen says, well, you know, and she was honest, which is great. So I don't know what's going to come out of her mouth. I'm like, honey, we need to eat. Just know that we need to eat. Uh, we have children. Don't well, help me. And she goes, well, Barton tends to be uh, a worrier. He tends to, to worry. And I think that's, a, just, that's definitely a family trait in us as we, 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 we tend to worry. And um, our house has just gotten really stressful lately because we have an international student staying with us from Beijing, Beijing, China. He's no problem. He's wonderful. We go in his room. His bed's all made. <laughs> Things are picked up. So I take my kids. I say, kids, look. It's a miracle. This can happen. You can do it. And so he's wonderful, just respectful, and, and we're so glad to have Tommy with us. He's great. Um, but Colby, he, last year he went away to school, so we only had two kids in the house, just Wesley and Lily. So it was great, a lot less stress. And so now we have four teenagers in the house, and Colby's back because he transferred to the U of R, and he's also doing the officer training program through uh, ROTC. My son Colby is an ROTC, so everything has got to be perfect, and he comes home, Dad, my, how do you polish boots? I don't know how to polish boots. How do you do that? So I'm like, oh, okay, we've got to do that. The, you know, the, the, the uniform he's wearing can't have any threads on it. So he's last night, he's got his magnifying glass to get every thread out. And, Mom, how do we do this? And I've got to press this. And it's just, so it's, it's a little tense. Hopefully it's going to get a little bit better. But we all know that we have stress in our life. And, and how many know that's just life? And, how, we, and we buy the lie to think it's going to get better. It doesn't, right? Because something else fills that in, doesn't it? We always think, well, it's, it's going it, it doesn't. Stress is part of this. And Jesus deals with stress. He deals with the worries of life. And, and he knows that it's not that we can't avoid it. It's going to be there. It's how do we live in that stress, in our relationship with the Lord, in the world that we live in. So let's, let's dive in and see what Jesus says. He tells us not to worry. And so this passage for me is basically my life verse. I go back to this all the time in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. So let's see what Jesus says about do not worry. And uh, I think hopefully this is going to help us here today. And I, wanna, I, I want us to see the root of worry and how we deal with that in our relationship with the Lord. So start with verse 25. You can look at your word or look up at the screen here. Jesus says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body or what you will wear is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Isn't that good? Why don't we learn this? Why doesn't this get into our brains, right? This is such great words. 
Look at verse 27. He says, and, and what great words from Jesus. And who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about your clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will not much more, will not he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. And everybody said, amen. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough troubles of its own. There's a story of a very powerful businessman who was struggling with stress. And he was just to his wit's end. And he just didn't know what to do. So there's a point to where it just overwhelmed his life. So he goes to the doctor and he says, doctor, you got to help me here. I am just completely stressed out, and I don't know what to do. And so the doctor told him, listen, I want you to start playing golf. He says to the doctor, doctor, um, I play golf. That stresses me out even more. This is not going to work. He goes, no, 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 no. I want you to play a different type of golf. Next time you go out golfing, I want you to use an imaginary ball. So he's looking at the doctor, imaginary ball. He goes, yeah, I want you to go out there, and every time you hit that ball, it's going to go where you want it to go. So I want you to play 18 holes. And I said, I want you to hit that imaginary ball and just pretend that it's going to go exactly where you want it to go every single time. Now, as this man says, as much as this sounds like a crazy idea, I'm desperate, so I will try it. So the next day, he gets up early, goes to the golf court, tees up his imaginary ball, hits his drive 290 yards right down the middle of the fairway. He goes, this is great. So then he's only about 110 yards away, takes out his pitching wedge, hits it just 20 feet away from the pin, takes out his putter, two putts, par. He goes, this, I like this. I like this imaginary golf. So he's about you know, five holes in. All of a sudden, there's a guy that comes up to him and says, what in the world are you doing? And he says, well, you're going to think this is crazy. He tells him the whole story. And he says, I talked to my doctor, and I'm just playing some imaginary golf. And the guy says, man, I've been playing golf for 20 years. Can I play with you? Can I play this imaginary golf? He says, sure, just join with me. So they're playing. They're having a great time. They're laughing. They're, they're having the best round of their life until they get to the 18th hole. They both hit their drives. And then this, this stressed out, powerful businessman hits his shot into the green. He's got this nine iron, hits it 130 yards. He's like, look, at he's hitting the guy. Look, it's rolling. It's rolling towards the pin. It's in the pin. It, it went in the hole. And the other guy looks at him and says, well, you hit my ball. <laughs> so I think I'm going to take up imaginary golf because I like that. Okay. There, there's actually a, a recent article by Time Magazine that, that stated this. It said, it said that anxiety in America is the main prevailing quality in our society today. The number of things, I mean, there, there, as you know, if, if you did any reading on this, I mean, it's all related, our health issues, so on and so forth, are related to stress. Jesus understood this about us. And so what it shows is, is that basically we're, we're, we're stressed out. 
And, and, and what Jesus emphasizes in this part of the Sermon on the Mount is the issue, he, he just gets done, we talked about this last week, he just gets done talking about money and the power of money that it can have over us, now we can be a slave to it. And all of a sudden he jumps and he says, therefore, it's, it's interesting that from, from these two verses, he jumps in from just speaking about money and the hold of it can have on it. And he says, therefore, do not worry about your life. So these, these two themes go together. In verse 24, he says, you can't serve God in money or you will be torn. You love the one or despise the other. You can't serve both. The servant is one who is completely devoted to their master. It's exclusivity. There's no middle ground. And then Jesus saying to his disciples, this loyalty can't be divided. You'll either be a slave to money or God. And then he jumps into verse 25. And then he says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious or do not worry about your life. And so Jesus' main point is this. This is what Jesus says. If you're a slave to money, you will be anxious. So he parallels the two. He says, listen, if you're a slave to money, you will be anxious. If you are a slave to God, you have no reason to be anxious about your life. Okay, so here, let, let, let's, 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 let's boil this down. Because basically, here's the reason why Jesus parallels these two things. It jumps from money into anxiety into worry. And he understands this. This is, the, this is let me just give you a couple things here. Why money causes stress. Here's the reason why. Just I'll boil it down to two things for it. First of all, if we're not careful, money can become our significance. What I mean by that is we can tend to believe that my net worth equals my self-worth. So the more money I have and the more successful I have, the more I feel worthy about myself. That's why when two guys get together, right? When two guys get together, the first thing they ask each other is, what do you do? What do you do? I don't know what you do. Well, you do. What do you, right? It's because we, we, we place our value in what we do, which is our jobs, right? We don't get together and, and what's your hobby? We don't say that. What's your hobby, right? We don't, we say, what do you do? Because, because we believe and we can falsely believe that money becomes our significance. The second thing, if we're not careful, money can become our security, and, and, and we say that my future is secure by how secure my bank account is. And so this gives us a false sense of control and a false sense of security. And Jesus knew this about our hearts. And so what we do is we become anxious about these things. Well, I got to do this. I got to make sure this and blah, blah, blah. And there's nothing wrong with planning or being a good steward or being a good steward and a manager with everything that God has given us, who is the owner. But no amount of money, no amount of money can give you significance or security or make you feel safe. Jesus says chasing after these things cannot add a single day to your life. Money can't stop death or broken relationships. And so what he's saying is that only God is ultimately in control. And so Jesus tells us, that wherever your treasure is, your heart is going to follow. So the question is this. Here, here's to, to get to the bottom of anxiety and stress, it's really what we focus on. What really is our security? Really, what is our bedrock because every single one of us are insecure in some area of our life right the moment we feel 
like we've got it together. Someone else comes along that's better at it than we are, right? And then we feel insecure. I'm not better than that, right? And so we all have our insecurities. So if we don't have a solid foundation on who we are, stress and anxiety are going to fill those voids in our heart. And Jesus says, this is going to add anxiety to your life. So the question is this, what do you treasure? And we need to ask yourself, if I had this, this is many times what we ask ourselves, if I had this, everything would change. If I had a better this or more of this or that, everything would change. That's where our treasures and our heart is going to follow through with that. So how do we break the power of money over us and the stress that comes with it? Here's the answer. The answer is this. Jesus needs to become our treasure. So before we dive into anxiety and stress, what are we chasing after? Because the things that are, are, are bringing stress and anxiety in, in our heart and life are the things that we're chasing after. And they're not helping us. They're making us more, they're, they're bringing more anxiety into our hearts and our lives. And so Jesus has to become our treasure. He is our example. He gave up everything to reach us. He was literally stripped of all he had and he laid down his rights to serve and not be served. I love this verse in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. It says this, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Why did Jesus die? Why was he willing to lay down his life? Because we were his treasure. For God so loved the world. Now, let me, let me, let me be careful here. Let me, let me, let me frame this correctly here. How many of us know there was nothing special in me? I was a sinner that was dead in my sin, headed to an eternity without God because of my sin. I, I deserve it, right? And so it wasn't because Jesus saying, because I'm a snowflake and I'm special, right? It was just the opposite. I was a sinner of needing grace, and Jesus knew that. So we became the treasure of Christ because he knew we needed saving. So everything he did, he did. The object of him coming to earth was to bridge the broken relationship that we had with the Father because of our sin. That is the reason why Jesus came, is to restore the brokenness that sin had placed in our life. And so now we became the treasure of Christ. The reason Jesus sees his suffering as joy, the Hebrew writer writes, is for this reason. He knew that it meant freedom and healing and forgiveness for us. That through his death, he would know, we would no longer be objects of God's wrath. And so what Jesus does is, is us being his treasure, he loses everything to gain us. He gives up everything. He comes from heaven to come here in the midst of all our yuckiness to reach us. He did everything possible to capture his treasure, which was us. If God had a refrigerator in heaven, your picture would be on it, right? That's how much he loves us. 
That's what he did to, to sacrifice everything for you and I. Listen, this is, this is what the Bible describes a believer in Christ. I love this in 1 Peter 2.9. It says this, but you are a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And I love these words. God's special possession. Now, in some translations, it says a peculiar people. Believe me, we're, a lot of us are very peculiar, right? We're all peculiar in our own way. But I, I like the NIV translation there where it says, but God's special possession, that, that you might do what? That you might declare the praise of him who called you out of what? Darkness into his what? Wonderful light. What, what, a, what, a, what a beautiful verse here of speaking of God's treasure. Jesus gave up everything to reach us. And now what he does is he takes us out of that darkness. We are his treasured possession. Um, we are his chosen people. And that, and that we're to declare to the world the, the, these praises and give glory to God for what he has done in our life. Jesus gave up everything to do that. And so, so as being God's Special possession, we are Christ's treasure. And so when, when, when you know you are Christ's treasure, here, here's how, because you're like, Pastor, what does this have to do with worry? Was your orange juice expired again this morning? Okay, what, where are we going here? Okay, let, let me pull it together here. Listen, when you know you are Christ's treasure, the appeal of money loses its grip. When, and so here, here's the connection that Jesus is making from Money to anxiety. When, when you know what Jesus has done for you and that you are his treasure, all of a sudden, the appeal of money isn't that great anymore. The, your aim now is not looking for things in the world to satisfy your desires because they can never be satisfied or give you security or, or, or an identity. Now your aim is not money, but Christ. The, the anxiety... Or the stress to have more and want more and to put trust in things to have my security and significance in them now loses its appeal. They're not that great anymore because now I am Christ's treasured possession. That he called me out of darkness and out of my sin and put me in a new relationship with him that we are now called friends of God. Money can never do that. And so change your focus on what your treasure is. Because if Christ becomes your treasure, money isn't that great anymore. That's not the thing that's going to give me my identity. And so when I seek Christ and him first, Jesus says you'll have your priorities correct. And so when these other things are added unto you, which is great and we can live and live in our houses and drive things and, and enjoy life, but that's not my focus anymore. That's not the reason why I live. Christ is ultimately my treasure. And these things don't have to put stress and anxiety on my life anymore. And so when I realize that Christ gave up everything to reach me, my perspective changes on life. And so what begins to happen is I become more generous. I don't have to worry about my life because I know God will take care of me. I heard this wonderful message by Pastor Tim Keller, a pastor down in New York City, incredible writer, author, enjoy his book so much. And he, he made this interesting point about this passage. 
And, and he made this, he, he gave this illustration of, a early, uh, uh, of an early writer in the first century. Um, his name was uh, Diognetus, and he wrote this letter, and what, what he was doing was he, he wrote um, about the Christian culture, and he observed some very interesting things about Christians in the first century. And this is what he said about Christians in the first century. He said, they will share their table, meaning they're very generous with their money and, 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 and being hospitable. But he said, they will not share their bodies with all. Very interesting. And what he noticed is they were very different from the society with what they lived in. And this is, this is why um, uh, Diognetus, this is what he noticed in the society. Pagans were very promiscuous with their bodies, but very stingy with their money. And what he noticed was just the opposite with Christians. They were very stingy with their bodies and very promiscuous with their money. There was a difference, and here's the difference that he noticed. They had a different focus. Their treasure wasn't their bodies. They honored Christ with their bodies, and he was their treasure, and they were very generous with what they had to supply the needs with those that were around them that were in need. This is interesting because what this person noticed is that they sacrificially gave. They were in complete contrast to the society that was around them. And here's why Diognetus understood and and saw something different. He, He saw that they had their focus on something different than what the world did. And what their focus was in that early church was that Jesus was their treasure. And here's what I want you to understand. When you have a relationship with Christ and he now becomes your treasure, I understand that Jesus treasured me sacrificially. He gave up everything to win me over. He gave up everything that I could know him, that I could understand why God came. He gave up everything to reach me. You see, the question we have to ask ourselves is, if I truly know Christ and he's my treasure, then money is not going to be that thing that's going to be placed way up here. In fact, I want to use that to honor God and to give and to be generous. That's when I know that my treasure has shifted from the things of this world to a relationship with Jesus Christ. And Jesus wants us to live that out in the world. Okay, so what does this have to do with worry? Well, here's, here's what it has to do with worry. When Jesus is my treasure, my heart is focused on the right things now. When Jesus is my treasure, my heart is now focused on the right things. My, my priorities begin to change. So what is this? And this is what I have to, because we all battle with this. And this is what I have to remind myself. And this is what I know. And and this is what I have to remind myself when I begin to worry. And I have to, we have to remind ourselves over and over and over this. When we begin to worry and when we begin to fret, fret about the things in the world and how, how God are you going to, how are you going to do this? God, how are you going to meet this need? And we all have those struggles. We have to remind ourselves that he will take care of me that God will take care of me. 
to be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and petition. Make your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in who? In Christ Jesus. Cast all your cares, cast all your anxieties at his feet because he what? Because he cares for you. You see, Jesus speaking on the mountainside looked at the birds and he says, look at the birds. They don't worry and they know that they will be taken care of. So let me put it in perspective for you. The things we worry about today would probably make the people in the first century scratch their heads. And here's the reason why, you know, they would think you worry about food or clothes. We, we, you know, we have food that we throw away every day in a closet full of, of clothes. So what does it boil down to? Well, it boils down to provision. God, how are you going to take care of this? So have this in mind when you feel yourself drifting away to anxiety and worry about those things. Remember God's faithfulness in the past, and this will cause you to focus on his goodness in the future. Remember God's faithfulness in the past, and this will cause you to to focus on his goodness in the future. Aren't we kind of, don't we get a very forgetful mind pretty quickly? God will take care of something, and then... We quickly forget about it. It's like the children in the wilderness. You know, God opens up the Red Sea. He's given them manna from heaven. And then quickly they forget his goodness and his provision. And they want something different. And we want to go back to Egypt and blah, blah, blah. And they forget that God is the one that provides. He never wanted them to forget that he's the one that parted the Red Sea. Don't forget the miracles that I did before you as you enter into this new promised land. God is faithful. Remind yourself of his faithfulness in the past. I I love... I love just reminiscing like when Kathleen and I were first. We've been married 26 years, and it's just fun to... I go, we're, we're cleaning out our basement, so there's old pictures that we're looking at. I go, man, remember when we first married and you know, living in that one-bedroom apartment where you could sleep, cook, and go to the bathroom all in the same four-feet area, right? Remember that? You know, you just, you're just thinking about that, and you're like, you know, you're just thinking about your jobs, and, and, and you're like, man, remember? I mean, God was so good in how he provided for it. I mean, when we got a coupon... To go out to dinner, we're like, whoa, we can go to McDonald's tonight. Let's go, right? It, you know, two for one. We can go get, you know, Big Macs, two for one. Let's go, honey. We're going we're gonna to go crazy. It, 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 we may get a little crazy and get a Sunday after, okay? So, you know, it was just, you know, you just think about it. And you know what's interesting? You think to yourself, was I more happy now or then? And I guarantee if you were to ask yourself, I guarantee there's not any more joy now with more stuff than what you thought about when you first started your lives together. Isn't that true? It's very true. So Jesus says, listen, don't, don't worry about these, about these things. It all boils down to provision. So have this in mind. Just remember God's faithfulness. You see, here's the problem with anxiety. Anxiety takes a hold of a crisis before it happens. So when you become worried about something, you know, we all do it. We, we worry about things and then, you know, most of the time it never comes true. And we spend all this time worrying about it. And Jesus says, you can't even add a single hour. You can't add any more time to your day. Why are you worrying about these things? Because what happens is when anxiety takes hold of our heart, it, holds, it takes hold of that crisis before it happens and it paralyzes us. And worry says this, what if? What if this happens? What if this goes wrong? 
And what Jesus says is, don't be anxious over the what ifs. The root of this is control. You are not in control as much as you think you are. And so give control to the Lord, just like the birds of the air. Now, this doesn't mean that we don't plan or work hard, but we give our plans to God. And if things change, I don't have to be bent out of shape because I know that ultimately God is in control of my life. And I don't have to worry about it. And so Jesus gives some incredible words for worry-laden hearts. He says, but seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you. What, what, what a great, Matthew 6, 33, what a, what a great verse to memorize. I remember when I was in high school and Kathleen and I were dating before she broke up with me, and then I got back at her a couple years later by marrying her. But anyway, so a whole other story. Um, we, we, we did a Bible. How do you remember the Navigators? The Navigators created these great Bible studies. And, um, and what they had, if you guys remember the Navigators, on the, on the little booklets they would give you, they would have all these memorization things, and you'd, they were perforated things. You'd have to rip them out. Do you guys remember that? Okay, that's good. I'm the only one that runs it. But anyway, it's good. Thank you for relating with me to this morning. But you'd rip out these little things, and they had these little memory verses, and one of them was Matthew 6.33. And I can remember with Kathleen, when we were dating, I think she was 15, I was 16 or 17, I remember memorizing that verse with Kathleen when we were dating. Aw, right? I remember that, that. That verse really, that was one of my first formulative verses that I memorized, you know, as an early disciple Christian for, for, for Jesus. And so basically, what, what does this what does this verse mean well this verse basically means is it's just saying hey if jesus is your treasured possession he will be first in your life right it's so so here's the thing how do i practically make jesus my 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 treasured possession How, how do i how do i do that how do i practically make Jesus my treasure possession. Now, if you're in a married relationship, you know, we're supposed to put our, our spouse first. And, and so how do, we, how do we practically do that? Well, you do that by serving them, by, by, by taking our needs and putting those things aside and saying, you know, we, we need to serve each other. How do I practically do that? Because if, if we were Jesus's treasure, what he did was he laid aside everything to reach us. He gave up his life so we could have life. He became poor so that we could become rich. So Jesus gave up everything for us. That showed us that we truly, that Jesus meant what he was talking about, that we were his treasure. And so practically, what does this mean? Well, put Christ first in your life. Make Christ your treasure. And the way you can do this is is just three, let me just give you three simple things as we just kind of wrap this up. Be first with your giving. Give first to the Lord. The Bible tells us that to set aside what you're going to give to the Lord in your heart. Last week, we talked more about that. Get the message from last week or listen to it online because we really dove into that topic. But, but be first. Say, God, you're the manager or you're the owner. I'm the manager and, and you give me. Let me first give to you because you're my, you're my treasure. You're, you're the prize, Jesus. And so I want to first give to you in the first of my giving. Give him the first of your day. Give him the first of your day. When you wake up, say, say Jesus, this is a new day. 
Um, I give you my heart. I'm going to pray. I'm going to open up your word. I want to give you the first of my day. You're, you're, my, you're, you're, you're my treasure. You're my treasure. So I'm going to give you the first of my day. Give them the first of your week. And, and a great way to pray to do is to say, God, we're going to commit as a family and as a couple or as a single person. I'm going to, I'm going to make sure that I'm in church. Not, not to be legalistic, but to say, you know what? I want to honor you the first day of the week. Sunday, we're going, to, we're going to be in church. We're going to fellowship, worship with other believers. We're going to sit under the teaching of God's word. This is going to be a priority. I, I, want, to, I want to set this. I want, this is a good habit to get into. You know, we, as a family, we went to church. That, there's no nego- it was non-negotiable in our house. I didn't like it before I was a Christian, but it was a non-negotiable. We're going to go to church. It's not, it's not this Saturday what are we going to do? Should we go to church? No, we, we knew, I knew don't plan anything Sunday morning because we're going to church. Give first, give first of your giving, of your day, of your week. And by doing this, this is what you're doing. You're recognizing that Jesus will take care of me. So when Christ is your treasure, when he is your focus, you will not worry or fret. See, when you worry you usually worry the most is usually likely the area that you trust God the least. So what you worry about the most is usually most likely the area that you trust God the least. So how do I deal with that, Jesus? How do I deal with those areas that I trust you the least? So here's what you do. You write down the areas and the things that God has been faithful to in your life. Write down the areas that you worry about the most. And then, and then and ask, Lord, am I seeking you in this area? Or are you cutting corners or are you compromising? Are you putting God first? How is my commitment? Because if Christ is my treasure, then it will be seen in my commitments. It will be seen in my commitments. So write down the things that you worry about the most and then make them a matter of prayer to the Lord. Say, God, these are the things that I'm struggling with. These are the things that are heavy on my heart. These are the things I'm losing sleep over. And, and, and these are the things that are bothering me. And Lord, I want to be committed to you in these areas. Help me in this area of giving. What area are you worried about? What area in your life is keeping you up at night? See, here's the thing. If Jesus isn't your treasure and your constant focus, those things will still keep coming back. No matter how the circumstances may change, and they may change for the better, you're like, oh, good, this happened, and now I feel better. But if Christ isn't your focus, how many know that another worry or something that's going to cause anxiety in your heart is going to fill that place again? Let Christ be your treasure. And Jesus said, you won't have to worry about these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek first his kingdom. And then all these things will be added unto you. And what I love about this, when you see God working in those situations, what you end up doing is giving all the glory to him, saying, man, look how God worked here. Look how God worked there. Look how God provided for me there. God, you're so good. And the peace of Christ comes into your life because he's in control. That's why he says, don't worry. 
Listen, Jesus has got it all under control. If if you see somebody with a bumper sticker that says, God is my co-pilot, you run them down. You tell them to take the sticker off and say, no, God is the pilot. You've got to take control of the plane. Let Christ take control of your life. He says, I'll take care of you. You can trust him today. So, Lord, as we come before you today, God, we, we all struggle with areas of our life that, that can consume us and cause worry and stress. And we know that a lot of source of that is just money and provision. And so, Lord, as we come before you today and as, as we just give you our hearts today, Lord, the, the, the main focus has to be, Jesus, are you my treasure? Because you gave up everything because we were your treasure and you sacrificed everything to reach us. And so in response to that, we want to make sure that you're our treasure, that our hearts aren't running after these, these things that just cannot fill us or give us security or give us an identity. And th- those things are so easy to run after, and we've all fallen in those areas. But Jesus, I pray this morning that we would recognize what you've done for us and that our eyes would be focused on you. That Jesus, we would realize that you do want to meet the needs that are in our hearts and lives. And thank you that you do that in so many different ways. Help us to trust you today. May you be our treasure today. And that the Lord, the things that we're worried about today, we lay those at your feet and we pray that you would help us and change our focus from those things to you, Jesus. Thank you for the peace that will come and it, that is there for those who put their trust in you even in the midst of the storm and difficult trials that we go through we can find a peace in Christ that protects us from that anxiety and that worry from infiltrating our hearts to cause us to become shipwrecked in our relationship with you so keep our may we keep our eyes on you Jesus Thank you for your faithfulness in our lives and everything you did to reach us. We thank you and we love you. And we just ask these things in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. 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 Let's stand. We're just going to close in song. Love this song. Let's just make it our prayer this morning as we just close in song today. God bless you.